Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. You ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't black don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 to 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries, <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35,000 of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you. And O'Reilly, they can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisoners in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches never change anything. If white immigrants can come to this country 50 years ago with nickels and dimes and no education and come here and pool their little nickels and dimes and no education and set up little stores, develop these stores into larger stores, develop this into an industry which creates job opportunities for whites. Since Lincoln was supposed to have freed the black man 100 years ago, and today the black man, according to the government economist, has spending power of $20 billion per year, we feel that with the black man spending $20 billion a year, not setting up any businesses, not creating any industry, not creating any job opportunities for his own kind, he's not in a moral position 
to point the finger today at the white man and tell the white man that he's discriminating against him for not giving him a job in factories that he, has, he himself set up. If the black man has $20 billion, and these so-called Negro leaders are such geniuses that they can integrate white restaurants and integrate white factories and integrate, force themselves into that which the white man has set up, they should use this same ingenuity to show the black people how to pool our wealth and set up something of our own. And then we won't have to force our way into his anymore. One more thing I would like to point out concerning what he said about 125th Street. We don't waste our time on 125th Street, but you can reach more people in the street who want to change than you can in the bourgeoisie society, the bourgeoisie church, and the bourgeoisie circles. We, our program is directed toward the man in the street. So we spend our time in the street, and what we do with that man, instead of trying to change the white man in your mind and make, make you accept us, we change the mind of the black man and make him accept himself. And as soon as he accepts himself, He'll solve his own problem. He won't be trying to force himself into your factory and into your bedroom and into your kitchen.
And on today's uh, informative It's My House uh, topic today is titled, Why Do Black People Get Shit On? Or we can reframe it, rephrase it. Why do African American people get shit on? The live stream number is 619-768-2945. We'll be back to start the discussion in about four minutes.
And today's podcast, once again, is titled, Why Do Black People Get Shit On? Live stream number, and that, that's the way I put it up here, too, because may as well take advantage of the internet. We're not regular. Why do, you can name it, uh, well, it's named, titled, Why Do Black People Get Shit On? Or we can title it, Why Do Specifically African American People Get Shit On? Once again, the live stream number is 619 619- Seven six eight two nine four five. If you got a comment or opinion on it, but before we go to our phone lines, um, I'm gonna tell you what triggered um, this this podcast. Actually, it was triggered in part because the way we ended the podcast yesterday on black people need to validate themselves, and then I ran across a video on YouTube. So let, let's um, uh, listen to uh, this specific podcast, I mean, not podcast, uh, audio um, that that made me title today's podcast the way it's titled. Hello, this is Deborah with Black Education TV, and I'm going to be discussing a story coming out of Tennessee this morning where lawmakers are yet again targeting black salon professionals. I'm going to read the article, and then I'll get into what I'm going to discuss about this. It says, lawmakers in Tennessee are making it difficult for black salon professionals to make money braiding hair by slapping harsh fines on their businesses if they hire unlicensed braiders, according to Forbes. That's a problem for braiders like Fautou Dioff, a small braiding business owner who is suffering because of a stifling $16,000 in fines she's been ordered to pay. One of her hair braiders reportedly did not have a government license to braid hair in her shop, and that runs afoul of the Tennessee Board of Cosmetology and Barber Examiner's Policy. As a result, Dioff, the fine was levied against her as a disciplinary action. So far, nearly $100,000 in fines were issued issued to more than 30 different natural hair shops and salons since 2009 in the state for unlicensed braiders, according to Forbes. Dioff, who is making good use of the skill she learned, she said that she learned as a child, believes that exorbitant fees levied against her are putting a strain on her livelihood. The board is also issuing penalties for unlicensed braiding shops and braiders who work out of their home. A part of a culture, anyone interested in braiding hair professionally is required to take 300 hours of classes for performing natural hair care services like braiding, locking hair, twisting, wrapping, and weaving. But Dioff says, we don't need 300 hours to know how to wash a clip or a comb. The hair braiding business is dominated by African and African American women, and taking classes means they would have to sacrifice financially for two months and attend classes. The courses run from $5,000 to $15,000 for tuition, and only three schools in the whole state offer courses. Most of the civil penalties are $1,000. While most braiders of the braiders across the country can work without a license, Dioff is left fighting for her right to eliminate 
the state license requirement. She is working with the Institute of Justice and the Beacon Center and has testified in favor of a bill that would eliminate the state's license for natural hairstylists and fines levied against them. A Utah woman sues in, in back in 19, I'm sorry, back in 2012, a Utah woman who braids hair to supplement her family's income won a federal lawsuit against the state over its licensing process for her craft, arguing state regulations violated her right to earn a living. A federal judge ruled that state's requirements that Justina Clayton get a cosmetology license to braid hair was unconstitutional and invalid because regulations are irrelevant to Clayton's profession. Clayton, 30, sued after she found it was illegal to run a hair braiding business without a license in part because of public health and safety concerns. Clayton said she learned how to braid hair as a five-year-old in her West African home country of Sierra Leone. And she was doing it at her suburban Salt Lake City home to support her three children, ages seven, five, and one, while her husband finishes school. I'm excited. I can't believe it, Clayton said of the ruling. You go in with the hope but sometimes things don't go your way. <clears throat> now, there's a whole lot that could be said about this because since I can remember, our lives as so-called black people in this country have been criminalized. The way we dress, the way we wear our hair, the way we do all kinds of things is criminalized. And to put such harsh fines on something so small. I mean, you can be a drunk driver and kill somebody and don't get this kind of penalty or fine. You see, I talked years ago how my husband's little brother, this was before he was born, this was a child that was born before him, but I'm sorry, so it wasn't his little brother, but um, one of the bank's um, babies was hit by a drunk driver and in the city of Detroit, they said, oh, because he was drunk, um, it, w it w there's nothing we can do about it. So he literally got a slap on the wrist for taking someone's life, taking a child's life. But yet these women who braid hair for, for a living, who earn money to take care of their families, who um, learn this in many cases while living in Africa, um, and some of us learned um, from our own families from the time we were very young how to braid hair. And so now you have these laws that are coming forth telling you it's against the law to even do it in your own home and earn money. And so this, to me, is yet, again, a good example, a great example of how unfair this country is to so-called black people. Now, those of us who know the truth, we know what's up. We know that the scripture talked about how we would be treated in the land of our captivity. We knew that these things would take place because this is what the Bible tells us. But when we talk about these things, we're just trying to shine light on this, on this subject for our people who don't know that the scripture talks about how our enemies a certain enemy would have a perpetual hatred for us, that um, our businesses would be targeted, our old women, young women, old men, young men, how they would uh, 
just make life very difficult for us. The Bible talks about this. And this is just a great example of what we are seeing when they are putting such levies against our livelihood and causing women to have to take 300 hours of classes in which the classes are only offered in three locations in the whole state, and it costs anywhere from 5000 to $15,000. That is ridiculous. To even have to spend a few hundred dollars for a class is ridiculous. And my thing is this, who are the teachers offering these courses? Even if it is so-called black teachers offering the courses, why is this even necessary for our people to take, take such a class to learn how to braid hair, to make a living? This is utterly ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. And yet, again, another slap on the face, another kick in the teeth to our ability as a people to earn a living with a craft that we brought here from Africa. And... It's just, again, so much can be said about this. A lot of what you feel when you hear stories like this is just you feel frustrated, you feel disgusted, and you feel helpless in some cases because, number one, they have these fines over their heads, and you have people always saying, well, black people are lazy, they don't want to work, they don't want to do this, that, and the other. But when they create a way to provide an income for their family, something like this happens. This is utterly ridiculous, utterly ridiculous that this state is doing something so harsh to a craft such as this. Braiding hair, locking hair, twisting hair, ridiculous. And you, you will have those who will say, well, what are these black people complaining about now just follow the laws now what if there was a law against having straight hair this is how ridiculous it sounds to us to say that we have to um first of all you have some places of employment who say you can't even work there if your hair is braided or locked so what they're basically telling us to do is that you have to look like us by perming your hair with chemicals that we create to straighten your hair you can't come to work um, unless you look like us. If you if you have natural hair, it goes against our policy. So they make policies against our hair, and then they levy fines against our hair so that we can't look cultural at all. Therefore, wanting to make everyone in the likeness and image of them. Amazing. Utterly amazing that this kind of thing is justified in this country. Now, thankfully, in Utah, the lawmakers there saw things different, and they found in favor of the woman. I'm glad to hear that. But at the same time, I look at people who live in areas they've um, created a life in this state, in the state of Tennessee. And now that is being interfered with by bogus, harsh laws. I think it's ridiculous, family. But anyway, you can check out the story. It was a story that was on AOL, ridiculous. 
Um, none of us are shocked or surprised because these kind of things surface from time to time, but we are still just highly bothered by them. And as I stated before, those of our people who don't know what is going on and the real reason why these things happen, I like to inform them. I like to let them know that there is a reason why these things happen, and the reason being that we are in the land of our captivity. We are the people of the book, the people of the Bible. And this is one of the curses that were placed upon us, being in a land among people. Okay, um, I got kicked out of my own studio. All right, uh, today's podcast is titled "Why Do Black People Get Shit On?" Or more accurately, accurately, why do African American people get shit on? A live stream number six one nine seven six eight two nine four five. I just played a clip, and I heard this clip uh, saw it yesterday on YouTube, and I posted a comment in response to what you just heard. And they took it off. They took it off. Um, they took it off uh, 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 YouTube. I guess, I guess the, the, you know, it's her channel, so she can do what she wants to do. To it. Um, but it was removed. My comment was removed, but I said, well, you know what, I'm going to cover this on my platform where I'm recording it right now and it's not going to come off. Um, and I respect people have different opinions. Um, but um, anyway, uh, what I, you know, and people can comment on uh, what they hear, and I'll play another clip as well that relates to uh, this incident where the, the African-American lady got a heavy fine for braiding hair. Um, But my take on it, well, you know, maybe I should play this other clip first. I'll play this other clip before before I tell you my take on it, on why black people get shit on. And this could not only this incident, but the police shootings and some other things as well. Hello everyone, I am Brianda Notes reporting for Your Black World News with an article from Forbes. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and visit theblackbusinessschool.com to learn about financial literacy and how you can grow your business today. Ever since she was a little girl, Fatou Diouf has been braiding hair. And for almost two decades, Fatou has turned that tradition into a vocation by working professionally as a licensed natural hairstylist in Tennessee. She said, quote, I never did any other job but hair braiding my whole life. I cannot recall a time when I did not know how. But in recent years, Tennessee has forced Fatou to pay a staggering $16,000 in fines simply because she employed workers who did not have a government license to braid hair. Nor is she alone. After examining meeting minutes and disciplinary actions for the Tennessee Board of Cosmetology and Barber Examiners, the Institute for Justice has identified nearly $100,000 in fines levied against dozens of braiders and more than 30 different natural hair shops and salons since 2009. 
All of those violations were for unlicensed braiding. None were triggered by any health or sanitary violation. Typically, the board will issue a $1,000 civil penalty for every instance of, quote, performing natural hair care services for clients without a license it encounters. In addition to finding braiders who work out of their homes or unlicensed salons, the board has targeted licensed shops like Fateau's. For Fateau, those heavy fines have been very stressful. Under a payment plan for her most recent violations, she has had to pay over $830 a month to the state, a burdensome expense she struggled to cover. On top of providing for her two children, dealing with her divorce, and sending remittances to support her family back in Senegal, driven by those first-hand experiences, Fateau has become one of the most outspoken voices for reform. Together with the Institute for Justice and the Beacon Center, Fateau has testified in favor of a bill that would eliminate the state's license for natural hair stylists and the board's basis for finding braiders. We can create more employment if this bill passes, she said. With a rich heritage dating back thousands of years, natural hairstyles, which shun the use of any potentially harsh chemicals, have grown increasingly popular in many African-American and immigrant communities. Today, braiders are free to work without a license in almost half of the country, but in Tennessee, only licensed natural hairstylists may earn a living by braiding, twisting, wrapping, weaving, extending, or locking hair. Obtaining that license can be quite the ordeal. Braiders must complete at least 300 hours of coursework, which often means sacrificing the equivalent of working almost two months full-time. Across the entire state, only three schools offer those courses, charging anywhere from $1,500 to $5,000 for tuition. With her years of experience, completing the classes required for a state license was, quote, mostly a waste of my time. We don't need 300 hours to know how to wash a clip or a comb, Fateau recalled. Many of the braiders she has hired or encountered feel the same way. She explained further, stating, quote, They're not going to learn something they already knew. Why would we pay thousands of dollars just to take a test? As a result, the state's license requirements and crackdowns have made it extraordinarily difficult for entrepreneurs like Fateau to find workers who have the proper authorization to braid hair. According to a fiscal note published in February, Tennessee only has 156 licensed natural hairstylists. Compare that to Mississippi, which has roughly the same-sized black population, but over 16 times as many braiders legally working in the state. Unlike its neighbor, Mississippi does not license natural hair care. Instead, prompted by a lawsuit from the Institute for Justice, the state merely requires braiders to register with the Department of Health and pay a $25 fee. Thanks to this streamlined system, in 2016, more than 2,600 braiders had registered in Mississippi. Unsurprisingly, braiders have flocked to Mississippi in search of better opportunity. Fateau says she has struggled to hire braiders since they can easily cross state lines and work without fear. 
Fortunately, lawmakers may soon untangle the state's mess of licensing red tape. On behalf of Governor Bill Haslam, Representative David Hawk, and Senator Mark Norris have sponsored the HB 1809 and SB 2233, which would repeal the state license for natural hair stylists. In an unusual twist, the Tennessee Department of Commerce and Insurance, which includes the State Board of Cosmetology and Barber Examiners, is also backing the bill. When the bill was heard by the House Business and Utilities Subcommittee last month, the department's own Deputy Commissioner, Brian McCormick, even criticized the license requirements and costs as overly burdensome. Representatives from the department denied repeated requests for comment. Even more ironically, some of the bill's loudest opponents have actually come from licensed natural hair stylists who claim the license is necessary to protect the public. Yet, according to testimony by McCormick, there have been only two health and safety complaints against natural hair stylists since 2010. In fact, the department has opened more than 200 administrative complaints for unlicensed activity where we have seen no sanitation violations. That's actually more than we have licensees currently with the department, end quote. Those findings are further borne out by a 2016 report from the Institute for Justice, which analyzed complaints filed against braiders in states that have a separate license for natural hair care. The report concluded, quote, across seven years and 10 jurisdictions, just nine complaints with health and safety issues were received for unlicensed braiders. Further, none of the complaints alleging consumer harm were verified by licensing boards. End quote. Since braiding is a safe practice, states are increasingly eliminating licensing requirements for natural hair care. Today, braiders are free to work without a license in 23 states with almost half of those state reforms enacted in the past four years alone. Eight other states besides Tennessee are currently considering liberalization. Lawmakers have filed bills to repeal specialty braiding licenses in Louisiana, Minnesota, Ohio, and Oklahoma, while legislation would exempt natural hair care from cosmetology licensure in New Jersey, Missouri, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to share this video and let us know what you think. I am Brianna Notes reporting for Your Black World News. And remember that every story has a beginning. All right. Now, for the first audio, because um, that was sort of just, she just recapped uh, what the first audio lady was talking about. Um the uh the first audio um, the tone of it is at least the way I interpret is that um black folks uh at least when it comes to hair braiding in certain states in in this case Tennessee um, they don't want black people to braid hair uh and earn a living. So she she's she's the way she's framed her statements. It's it's a race thing. 
Anyway, I responded to that yesterday, and they removed my comment on it. And, I, and I'll tell you how I responded to it. I said, racism doesn't have anything to do with how that particular hair braider got such high fines um, and then got shut down. I said what it comes down to, a matter of fact, let me put this out here right now. We covered this topic about a couple of years ago. We bought in a lady from, uh, I think, Dallas, Texas, in that area, Dallas Metroplex area, Isis Brantley. Isis Brantley. She's gone through this before, but we had Isis on live on this podcast. But in any event, um, and then I inserted in my comment that um, – the beginning of this podcast. I've I started this podcast. We've got over a thousand podcasts recorded at least 500 times. The podcast has started off with what I call the solution by Claude Anderson. And I said the primary reason why that lady got shut down and got such a heavy fine and why this has gone on in other states in the United States, and it just happened so a lot of black hair braiders got fined is because, and I'm going to play the clip here in a moment, as I play, at the, I've played it over 500 times to start this podcast, African Americans on a critical mass basis do not practice group politics. They don't practice. In this case, because the thing I put on my comment yesterday on YouTube was, in the case of wherever this happened in Tennessee, let's say it was is in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, it's a statewide issue. The black hair braiders, or anybody who has a vested interest in black hair braiders, what they need to do is get together and form a membership organization, the Association of Black Hair Braiders, you can call it that. Pay a membership, it could be $25 a year, it could be $100 a year, we have different membership levels. Form a membership organization so we can have some capital to work with, some money to work with. Hire a lobbyist And then also collect membership fees to start bankrolling some elections. And you pick the, you help and pick the commissioners of the cosmetology board on a statewide level and on a city level, your agenda, and change the policy. That's what I put on, on YouTube, My, it, along with the Claude Anderson piece. And I got I got shut down on that, but that that's okay. That's okay. That, that's why we have blog talk. So, um, matter of fact, this well, I'm gonna, and Claude Anderson gives you a blueprint. I'm gonna play it now. Then I'm gonna go to the phone lines. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't gonna be in there. 
But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building. Now, he said it. Dr. Claude Anderson, who's written several books, one of them is Pyronomics. We don't, that's why we get shit on. We don't practice group politics. In this specific case of black hair braiders in the United States, all right, this, is, this happened in Tennessee. Once again, the black hair braiders in the entire state of Memphis, Tennessee, need to come together to practice black politics. I mean, group politics. What does that look like? Step one, meet and form a membership organization. You have a membership because you're going to have to hire at least one or two lobbyists who have relationships with people that can get your get your your agenda, your policy on the books as law, as rules and regulations. All right. Now, not only do you need the black hair braiders, you also need to have on board in your membership organization because you're going to have to bankroll some shit. People who have a vested interest in black hair braiders. Who would these people be? The people who supply product to the black hair braiders. A lot of black hair braiders go to Sally's, which is a multi-billion dollar network across the United actually globally. You don't think that Mr. Chan or Miss Yee or whatever that owns the local sellers, they want you to keep on buying product from them. Go to them and sell them memberships. They might drop in a thousand or five thousand dollars a year on membership, and that's just for one local chapter. Until black hair braiders start doing that, they will continue to get shit on with high fines and shut down with business. And that same principle goes to black people getting shot. Until we do the same thing on a grassroots level and have local organizations that morph into statewide organizations that bankroll the police department and have senior agenda on what you want your local police department to look like. Who's going to be the chief? What laws are going to be on the book? You're going to continue to get shit on. And that's why I play that Claude Anderson piece every single morning. We're not practicing group politics. And if you don't practice that, it might look like it's racist. The only reason why it looks like racist is because we're absent. If you want to play on a basketball team or want to make the track team, you got to go out to tryouts. We're not even showing up. That's where absent. Now, this before I go to the phone line, this organization that ISIS went to and this lady in Tennessee went to where they got some help. 
It's called the Institute for Justice. The Institute for Justice. Now, before I read this, I'm pulling Black Lives Matter onto the carpet for this one. Now, let me read about the the Institute for Justice, and I'm going to tell you what, in my opinion, what Black Lives Matter should do or some organization should do. And the Institute for Justice, where this black hair braided went and got help, and so did Isis Brantley, the Institute for Justice is a nonprofit, libertarian, public interest law firm in the United States. It formed in 1991. Its revenue for 2015 was over $34 million. The seed money for this organization was started by Charles Koch, one of the Koch brothers. So we, what happened to the Democrats on this one? Now, this is why I'm calling, calling uh, Black Lives Matter to the carpet. What needs, in my opinion, what needs to happen in the African-American community, organization that mirrors the Institute for Justice needs to be formed. where they have revenues of $30 million plus a year so they can defend people that might get killed by the police, hemmed up by the police, or a hair braider might get shut down and God knows because they get things in between. Black Lives Matter doesn't do that. And to my mouth, matter of fact, those listening, Name a black lobbyist. I know if I say name a a, a a basketball player, a black one, a black football player, a black track star, a black. I know I get answers to that. Name a just one. Group politics, or the lack of group politics, in my opinion. I'm just one person out of seven billion on the planet, is the reason why African Americans continuously, on a critical mass basis, get shit on. And they will continue to be shit on on a critical mass basis until they do, not what L.A. said, but what Claude Anderson says, we have to practice group politics. And I told you, I spelled out what that looks like. And it's simple. Form a membership organization. Step one. Step two, hire lobbyists. And the lobbyists will help you dictate your uh, proposal, legislation, help educate the politicians, the legislators, the lawmakers, and then get your policy from your group on the books. And that way, you know, you, you run the show. Your mic is open. Uh, good morning, L.A. Thank you. This is Viata with Soul Purpose Healing. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's an interesting piece. I remember you had a show on it when Peter was giving advice on the law. So the first thing that came to my mind is they're ignorant of the law. That's why we get crapped on a lot because we don't know the law. We don't know the power we have as citizens of the United States 
you know, even so much as paying taxes. I don't pay any taxes. It's not like I'm breaking any law because I know the law. There is no law, first of all, that says we have to pay taxes, but people don't even realize that. So when you're ignorant of the law, that's when you get crapped on. So didn't Peter bring in some law knowledge about this situation a couple of years ago? Yeah, he brought it on. That's when Isis Brantley was on uh, the uh, the hair braider out of Dallas. She was on here live, and uh, Peter was on that podcast as well. And um, we got it recorded somewhere in our, our, our archives. So it seems um, to me that the women, the women in Tennessee, uh, if they want to live in Tennessee, they better get to know the law and come against this crazy law that they've set up against them and figure out what is wrong about it. Because there's got to be some some uh, uh, loophole in there that this is ridiculous. And so we need well, to point well, that out to you too. The the loophole is. You got to practice group politics to change the policy. There, yeah, but no the law there's got to be. There's no, no, there's no escaping what's on the books. There's no loop. The loophole is you have to form your organization and hire lobbyists, and lobbyists have the relate. Here's what lobbyists do. I'm gonna have to bring some lobbyists on on this podcast on a regular basis so they can explain directly what they do. But essentially what lobbyists do is they hear what you want, okay? And then they have the legislative skills. They know how to craft legislation. They know how to – they have the relationships with the lawmakers and how to take your – like, in other words, if you want a law in the books uh, saying that um, uh, there should be no licensing requirement um, for – or whatever you want specifically for hair braiders – or whatever profession uh, in your particular state, they'll take down what you want and then they'll craft it legally and legislatively on how to present that to lawmakers. They educate the lawmakers because they have the relationship with you. And then now this is where the bank rolling comes in because that's why I play the Claude Anderson piece. It costs money for legislators to basically sell what you want on the books. All right. And let's say in the case of a city council, which they're lawmakers, and you've got 10 city council members on there. Now, you've got to – it costs money to Xerox. It costs money to have lunch with people and all this. And that legislator can't not be a lone wolf and get your agenda on the books. You've got to have enough money to bankroll everybody around the table as far as the city council to have a ghost of a chance to get your your policy on the books. That's how it happened. But what happened, what happened in the case in Texas? Didn't she get over? Didn't she somehow have a victory over that, that what, law type of law? She had a victory, but that's why I read you what happened. An organization needs to be formed like the Institute for Ju- uh, uh, Justice. Isis Brantley went to the Institute for Justice, which is a libertarian organization. For black folks who are Democrats that think ill of Republicans, libertarians are more conservative and to the right of Republicans. Okay, she went to them. They have a thirty. They have a thirty million dollar plus. They have lobbyists. They have a thirty million dollar year income to dedicate to certain things like this, but they can't do it all like this. She just was lucky that they got in. And this lady, she was lucky that that guy, and she probably got a recommendation. 
Michael. There's no African-American organization that is set up as a lobby group that mirrors the Institute for Justice. None, zero. That's the loophole. Uh, okay, so there has to be some political power behind uh, your uh, fighting this type of legislation as I, I well as some... how to build political power. The, the build yeah, political but I'm power. saying, but you have to build that in order for them to, to still be and stay in business. They can't. They can, They might not have time to be building and staying in business. So there's got to be well, some well, way. That's why, to, you have, that's why you have a membership organization. You form a membership, the Association of, of, of Black Hair Waiters. Let's call it that. And you have chapters in Memphis, uh, Chattanooga, uh, Knoxville, you know, all throughout the state, you have chapters. And you have uh, a state president that you guys elect from your membership and the president of the National, I mean, the Tennessee Association of National Hair Braiders. Those are the people that run organizations. While the rank and file hair braiders, they run their business. You just pay your membership yeah. fee one time a year. You can pay it online, and you can go okay. to one meeting or you can go to twelve meetings. That's how. It's, okay, that's I'm not talking that about seems, nothing new. I'm talking like this happening, but this law still seems to me, on some level, to be illegal. That they, I don't know who brought the, who put this law into to action, but it's not, on some level, it's well, illegal. Now, what, and what's illegal so about it? The, the, here's why the lady got fined and she got heavy fines. It's already on the books. You cannot braid hair without a license. That is a law on the books. Okay, why so how much the is books? the license? Um, probably less than $100. Right. So if she's braiding hair without a license, then the, big, the fix for that is to get a license, right? Exactly. So why all the fines? Because she refused to get a license? Because she got caught without a license. And then you have to look at how municipalities work. Municipalities, one of it, they have two income generators. On the front end, if you get a license, you pay $50 or $100 or whatever it is. That's how you can get in life. But if they catch you without a license, the municipality is still going to get their cut by fining you with the larger Fifteen thousand dollars or whatever it is. Now that's got to be illegal, the right there. Yeah. The, no, the law. What the the penalties are already on the books if they catch you operating without a license. They it wasn't made up. It's already on the books. What the penalties are is what you get for operating without a license. Just like if you go out here and kill somebody. First degree murder. Well, seems, the law, the black letter law, is already on the books. What the penalties are for first okay. degree murder, including the, the the financial fines for killing somebody. But it seems it's to me there was the something. I know, but it seems to me in the shows you did in the past that there was something about hair braiding that puts it in a totally different classification of business. It's not your average hair business. It's more like a, a craft from your cultural craft or something. I can't remember what it was, but Peter was saying something about the hair braiding is you could classify that differently so that it doesn't go, uh, the same laws don't apply to it. There's something about and then that. You would have, then you would have to find a lawyer 
and that that's going to uh, be a pretty penny in itself. That well, you just need to research yourself. And, and, yeah. How many? Well, you only need to research yourself. How many hair breeders are going to do that? Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the why we're we're crapped on all the time because we don't know the law. We don't know how to do the research. I did some simple research that I it like took me half an hour just to go to the law library to find the answer to a situation I was in with my social capital group. So it doesn't take that much effort. And it doesn't take much time, but you got to know this is what you need to do. And that's one of the reasons I feel you, black folks get crapped on is because they don't have the mind to do the research and to find out what the law is behind this and how hair braiding is not a usual hair. It's not your usual business of salon craft. It's a special, unique art to it. And so that's where they could, the loophole to me would be is that this is not your usual hair braid or your well, beauty like, salon. Well, you're right. We do have to re- research search the law. Yeah. And this this is another reason why if you have a org a membership organization that is set up, a newsletter can go up every there's a thing called compliance. Because rules and regulations and laws get changed all the time. Part of your membership organization, you can have a person that they're in charge of keeping up, keeping abreast with compliance. And a yeah. newsletter can be put out every month on what's the current compliance in that particular field. And when they have yeah. the, the, you know, the face-to-face meetings, uh, they can have uh, round tables or breakaway tables on that. And they can even bring in, you know, the, the, the inspectors that come in and actually bust you and find you. They can actually invite them in and they can educate the membership on here's how you stay straight with the law and not get fined. All that comes, yeah. that's the loophole forming, polit- that's how you get the political capital practice group politics. That yeah, and the other way, as far as, yeah. yeah. That element, not only with the hair braiders, but even when it comes to all these shootings of black men in the United States, there's, we don't have it. It, it yeah, and the other way, to, the, another way to get around that, I, I, I knew a little um, Indian lady, East Indian lady, who did eyebrow uh, with a th- thread or something. In her home, she set up a room in her home, and she had patients, she had customers galore coming in and out of that house. While, and she was all she was doing was eyebrow trimming. And uh, she wasn't paying no taxes, wasn't uh, involved in any laws or anything. That Sometimes you just got to stay out of the, the legal part of it and just work out of your home in a way that you don't bring too much attention to it. Whatever way that works. Yeah, because um, you, you get the city, municipal, and all those in your pocket, and you're not making any money at, at all. Huh? You got to pay everybody taxes well, and license for, fees for and all what? that. That's all right. For what? Okay, for what hair? And I don't. Know, for what I hear, right? A, 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 a woman might drop like two hundred and fifty dollars to get her hair braided. Okay. Yes. Now a licensing fee for a whole year might cost fifty to a hundred dollars. So we're talking about one customer. One customer out of a whole year will take care of that. Unless right. you live in now, Tennessee, where the laws are ridiculous. Well, no. But see, this goes on in several states. She just pointed yeah, out. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. 
about psychology so, like of adjustment. So if you have an organization where you've got, um, let's say, um, let, let's say you have a, a membership of a thousand, a thousand, um, a thousand black air braiders, and they kick in, um, let's say, a twenty-five dollar a year membership. All right, you got twenty-five thousand dollars in the kit. Now, also stated. The people who have a vested interest in in our uh, black hair braiders. So let's say you go to somebody like a, a supplier like Sally, all right, and you get a thousand supplies throughout the tenancy uh, to, to kick in. Let's say a thousand dollars membership. Oh, was that right here? A thousand a thousand people times a thousand dollar membership. You got a million dollars. One million twenty-five thousand dollars to work with. Yeah, you got to be a smart business person to work the millions there. All that, all that money flowing in means you're going to have more responsibility, more, more. uh, That's why you have with a a membership organization. The the membership elect. Who's going to run the organization? Who's going to be the, the CEO of the membership organization? Who's going to be the treasurer? Who's going to hire the lobbyists? You know, the educational workshops. That You know what? The reason why the NRA can do what they do, it's a membership organization. The, it, the rank and file of the NRA basically is Billy Bob that lives in bumfuck. Idaho, some goddamn place. That's the wreck and file. He might have a five or twenty-five dollar membership here, but it's well, a whole you know, lot LA, Yeah, LA. The, just like we're going back to back into tiny houses instead of big mansions. To whom much is given, much is expected. You want to have a big business making a lot of money. You're gonna to have to deal, make these kind of adjustments in your life to pay more fines, to pay more license fees, to pay this, to pay that. And you get out of the matrix by not getting into making a million dollars and just do your own thing in your little co- uh, country community and leave out the the, the big brother and, and, and the government. The less involvement you well, have in that respect, the less legal fees and all that you're going you to have to deal with. All right. You can't expect the average person that lives in Memphis, Tennessee, to move somewhere in a remote area of Tennessee. No, but I'm saying to whom much is expected and to whom much is given, much is expected. You want to make a lot of money no matter where you are, you're going to have all kinds of responsibilities and obligations to other people, to a big organization, to uh, your customers. So you got to make choices and do your homework. Do Like you said, uh, make sure you well, got some well, social For if you If you spend, let's say, $100, but in this case, so a license fee that might run them a hundred. Let's say um, another, let's say three hundred dollars. You know, membership fees going to and from the meetings in twelve months, gas money. You spend three hundred dollars, and you're left alone. Three hundred dollars, and you're left alone. You, you, you're good with the state. You're in compliance. 
and you don't run across these heavy fines, and you're not shut down. Right. 300 And one customer. One yeah. customer, that's it. So de- depending on the size of your business, you got to do your homework and, and talk to people like yourself and get advice on what's the best way to run this business because this is what – and then you, you look at all the possible uh, uh, brick walls you might run into and how you're going to get around them. Yeah, you you got to be smart. If you're going to run a business, you don't just start doing the business. you got to look at all these options that you're bring- – or all these possibilities that you're bringing up today. Right, and with a membership organization, it, it, you can better do that. Uh, three, four, six, uh, area code, your mic is open. Yeah, good morning, L.A. Good morning, you Good morning. Oh, yeah. Man, this this may have been the radio show that put the spark back in the people's law study group. I'm really inspired uh, by the show this <laughs> That's morning. right, that's right. <laughs> Because, you know, I have, to be honest, I have went through so much that I just got tired and got worn out and beat up. But uh, I'm, I'm very inspired by what I heard this morning. I just did a, sh- a show a couple of days ago, and it was, um, it was a political show, two Republicans against two Democrats. And the, the Democrats is um, Mr. Lawrence Allen, who's on the Texas State Board of Education, and Arnetta Murray Hicks, who's running for a county commissioner down in Brazoria County here in Texas. Uh, and I was on the opposing end. It was supposed to have been with me and Mr. R. W. Bray of the uh, Black Engagement for the Republican Party in Texas, but he didn't show up. But uh, the, by the end of that uh, interview, and that's one thing that I brought out too, is that uh, as I heard today, you cannot not participate and expect things to go your way. Racism is a byproduct, and until we realize this thing has always been about and always have been about finances, about money, finance, and economics and we will continue to fall into the abyss. Racism is only a byproduct of what's really going on. So everybody has their own contract. We have to find out what fit in, where we get in, where we fit in. And if it's for you to be uh, a business-oriented person, you be that business-oriented person. If it's for you to kind of get into a smaller community, and then and that's where you want to be, get into that smaller community. We all have different contracts. But I do know one thing, group economics, until we learn how to practice that, we're not going to get anywhere. Get rid of the whole concept of race. Get that out of your head. It's about finances and economics. Right. And matter of fact, I'm a, uh, probably next week, uh, let me see if I can track down ISIS, because I had her old, my phone under my old phone, which I stolen last year. Uh, but I, 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 can, I know I can track it down, because I got a, like, a friend on Facebook, I believe. But, yeah, uh, that would be a niche market like that one. Would, they would make a great people's law study group because they've got the money, and they're already getting hemmed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the Institute for Justice, they, they just they can't help all black. I mean, they, they, this is, they have a diverse people that they help, and ISIS and this lady just happen to get in. But there needs to be, like say, in this case, and even when it comes to um, parents who have had people shot by law enforcement, there's no organization. That's why I mentioned Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter could set up something like this, but they're not structured that way. Yeah, Where yeah. they have, well, you know, you know and you've got, to, you've got to, like say, with a membership organization, that gives you the money 
the high, to educate people and to hire the people that you're going to need to do, because every you know, if you you're doing here, you're concentrating on doing here, and you, through your memory, yeah. you have twenty five dollars a year that'll pay for somebody to do the leg work Monday through Friday. You know, I just uh, this friend of mine, Mr. Demetrius Smith, she's running for the governor here in the state of Texas. We just had a conversation right before I got on this show. And she blew my mind with some information. She talked about the marijuana cases, uh, especially here in Texas, how they're locking people up with marijuana. And what she brought to my attention was that it's nowhere in the criminal code. Marijuana is up under uh, up under health, Texas health and uh, whatever she called it. It's up under health. And therefore, she also broke down and there were three types of marijuana. And only one type. Uh, can't really carry a criminal conviction. So even if a police stops you and pulls you over, he's not a toxicologist. Did he test the marijuana to see if it's of that type that's uh, uh, illegal? So how can they? See, no. these are things that we need to know. If we don't have a right. research team, if we're not bound together, if we're not coming together under group economics, these are things that can be fought because the state, This is, and I brought this up in an interview the other day, why are we trusting the state? The founding forefathers told you you couldn't trust the state. That's why the first ten amendments was put in the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights was put into the Constitution, was to protect the people from government. So when it comes to government, when it comes to scheming and conniving for money and funds, that's what they do. We've been knowing that since the inception of this country. Right. Right. And you know what? You mentioned something very important, uh, a research team. The a lot of small business owners, including these black hair braiders, they need a research team. I mean, beyond well, that, but a lot of hairstylists or anybody, that's not their thing to do research. They, you know, they got the kids to deal with, they got life to deal with, they got the business to deal with. By paying a little $25 a year, that's, the research team is included in your membership. So if you need an answer on something, it's a phone call or go to the membership website and you got the answer. And you can't that, tell that was the black the... ain't got $25 a year to spend. <laughs> and that was part of the purpose of the People's Law Study Group, to have a uh, staff available that when something happens in the community, we have trained, uh, educated legal minds that would know how to do the research. You know. Well, it might be because now I'm thinking, you know, just get like these these black hair braids and then just organize a group and start having meetings and then and go from there. Uh, let me go to the next call here. Seven seven three. Your mic is open. <laughs> Good morning, LA. Uh, you know. Good morning. It all boiled down to having a vested interest in the capitalistic system. All that other stuff. <laughs> all, all of it. And I've been preaching this for 25 years. If you don't have a vested interest in the capital, you're not going to be able to put together the lobbyist group because you're not going to be able to put together. But Anderson is right. You've got to collectively have a political system within your organization. And a political system is non-for-profit. That's what most of us don't know. They think we can go out there on the limb by ourselves. You cannot do politics by yourself. You, and what I would suggest is when you put together the program, you vote those cronies out that's in office that passes these cronies laws. 
Plus, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because that's another benefit of having an organiz- a membership organization. That's not, right. You can't do nothing by yourself. No. You're not. I don't care how many how many meetings you go through, how many speeches you make, you can't do it without the people that are affected by the garbage that's being put upon you. These people, I think I heard you say something about that. There were three people that passed the laws and put, put this on the book. The law don't get on the books by, by a group of people to get on the books because them Congress that you didn't vote for that put them on the books and have a little bit of a law degree and they see an opportunity to raise their salary because that raises the bar for them to get paid. Right. So exactly. We've we've been totally, we've been we have been totally absent from this situation, particularly like I said, ISIS and I I'm gonna contact ISIS by next week. And this lady in Tennessee they they were long wolves that went to the Institute of Justice that knew what to do. But see, there, there's still no organization out there. There's no People's Law Study Group for hair braiders where they can go to and access this information. No. But, no. I mean, the information's out there, the people out there, but it hasn't been organized where they can tap in on it. That's right. And you're talking about fighting these people on a one-on-one basis? Uh, one half greater. No, you like you said. We have people in the state of Tennessee and any other state that want to find people for not having a license to practice braiding hair. Yeah, we've been braiding hair for two, three, four, five, six hundred years, and we don't know how to right. braid hair in that time. And we're still braiding our kids' hair and our own hair in our own home. Right. And now this what we want to create. We create a business and raise two or three other days. Oh, that's livelihood and by human rights, equal rights. We have that right activity. Yeah, and and that's the point that um, I think President is making. That all laws to me are politically motivated. If you look at our government in Washington D.C., all the lobbyists involved. And all the money that they're paying our lawmakers, every one of us ought to be so consciously aware that political motivation is behind every law that's made. And just starting from that point, you could probably break down some of these laws and get them thrown out. Because like the president just said, we've been braiding hair for hundreds of years. How are you going to put a fine of $15,000 on something that we've been doing for uh, generation after generation? So right there is a foundation to start on to defend your or fight this type of law that's on the book. Well, it all starts with getting together. Like I said, the people that have been braiding here and the people who have the vested interests. I mean, matter of fact, you know what? The people that can jump online, all right, you got the hair braiders as a source of income. You have the people who sell them supplies. You have their landlords that can take your money because if you shut down, you can't pay your landlords willing to kick in some money. Yeah. So I would I suggest that uh, uh, what we do is we vote out the people. We need to vote a uh, what's this girl up in in, in uh, 
and uh, uh, Alaska uh, created an organization to vote the people in the office, the political people that took over from the Kennedys. What's, what's that Gail's name? That, uh, you put well, together I'm, not, that, I'm talking about Palin. Are you talking about Palin? Yeah, and and okay. took over the took over where where it had been a Democratic party for years because of the Kennedys. And if we don't do that type of organizing, hell, we're gonna always be in uh, uh, under uh, uh, depressed. Mm. We got to think. Well, you, with the yeah. hair braiders, you can do something simple. You can start off with. Um, well, you can do it online or offline, but you can just start off something local where, or local or online, where you're basically, um, it's probably best to catch somebody who's already hemmed up. Because once you got somebody in trouble, you got their attention. And then from right. then, they, you know, they, they can sell other hair braiders. And then you just have, you know, you, you can have, uh, just like the People's Law Study Group, that you can have a a, bra- a a black hair braiders people law study group. That's the phone call. Uh, you have webinars. We can have offline activities too. You can run it two ways, and it, that really that's a really an untapped market because you've got um, you've got a lot of um, God, God, there's thousands of people that braid hair. And you know, instead of instead of these women getting into victim mode, this is a black thing. This is a Bible prophecy thing. They ought to be using this as a full uh, speed ahead charge to never let this happen again. Because it, 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 the power that we have as citizens of the United States to know the law, to know that we have this culture that's been with us for centuries. And now you're going to try and fine us for it? No, no, no. We don't take that anymore. So this should be just the, the energy to get um, prevent this from ever happening again using the power that we have as citizens, not even black people, just citizens of this country. We have a right to fight this type of legislation that is so destructive and so uh, discouraging for women, especially women to be in business. That's another area they could attack, you know, the discrimination of women more than anything because there's not any men doing this. So there's all kind of areas they could attack with this. Yeah, and well, look at, uh, look at Warren, what, uh, Warren, look at you, what uh, like I, I hope you start yeah. that people's luck because what I can do is next week organize a podcast based on this particular niche market, um, black hair braiders. Yeah, Pleasant. Look at what we have done with Infinity. We, with membership money, when you go to work for a company and you got to join the uh, join the uh, union, that's a membership organization. Right. And if you if you for thirty days, then you get kicked out. If you don't join the union, it's mandatory. I was on the international steering committee, committee for seven ten union for a year for almost a year until they threatened to kill me because I was fighting for the rank and file. So, so everybody's not going to be an attorney. Everybody's not going to do the research. A lot of people don't have a computer to do no, it. No, no, that's what I'm saying. But, but people, but the average person, they're willing to kick in whatever. Like I suggest different membership levels. But this, you know, a lot of people are willing to kick in twenty, twenty-five dollars a year. Uh, and there's yeah. a lot of them out there uh, that will do that, and they'll they'll call in, they'll tune in, and it, like for instance, like. Um, 
Warren, you can probably create a, um, <clears throat> for lack of a better uh, example, a legal shield just for hair braiders or, hair, or women business owners, uh, which is a, a larger market. But uh, but they'll, they'll kick it in if, if they're getting the information to keep them out of trouble. Because like has I said, to be a benefit. Yeah, well, like said, what, 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 they, they make the money. We know that braiders make money. Um, so it, it's, um, but, but it's obviously there's a need. And what I'll do is I'll, like I said, I'll track down ISIS again. Uh, and I'm going to track down this lady that they mentioned in Tennessee. I, I did it. I tried to yesterday, but I couldn't find her. <clears throat> but, what, um, sense does, what sense does it make? What sense does it make for you, for somebody to tell you how to plant a potato? And you've been planting potatoes and raising potatoes all your life. What kind of right. sense is that? It's crazy. Absolutely. Get across the board. It's not about sense. It's not about sense. It's about dollars. <laughs> that's the issue. So, you know, that's what we have to realize. So, therefore. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that shouldn't go on, but if we're not uh, educated enough or if we're not learned in the law, then they just keep getting over. And that's been since the inception of the country. Uh, and that goes back to the Bill of Rights. So, man, we have so much to learn. How many, how many people yeah. know anything about the Bill of Rights and equal rights and human rights? How many? Very <sighs> few. And you can't speak to all of them unless you have an audience of a of a TV that tunes the that uh, TV station that people listen to the news. People, some people listen to the news. Some of them don't. But unless uh, unless we actually put together a system to where we have the TVs, radios, the blog talk, then all of this kind of garbage is going to hit us in the face from this point forward, and our kids will inherit a bunch of bullshit. Well, yep. and we have to be we have to be aware that this government is uh, has been bought and paid for by corporations, and our gov- our lawmakers are doing things in the interest of corporations and businesses, not in the interest of citizens. So we as uh, that, seniors, that's why we, we have, have to, to turn that around. Own. We got to turn that around. No, no, what we do is join the game. In other words, we form our own organization. And as Claude Anderson says, yes. buy, there you buy, rent, or lease our politicians. We haven't done yep. that. We haven't done. We have the money. We, we got. See, the I think sometimes we just haven't. I think sometimes government. sometimes we confuse this thing that we call the United States as a country. In reality, it's not a country. It's been a corporation from the very beginning. Condoleezza Rice, and I may not be quoting her exactly, she said that what makes us Americans is not our culture, it's not our race or these other things, but it, we, one thing about America that makes us makes us one is, the, and that's the idea that you can come from nothing and be something. So it's always been based on money, and if, since it's always been based on money, of course, with the United States itself being a corporation, then of course the laws are going to be made to in, in better of the corporations. So what we do is we need to form our own corporations, our own lobbyists, things of that nature, and get in the game and play ball. There you go. Twenty-five years I've been 
abrogated that same thing. Matter of fact, I'll give you another example. Now, you know, we also hear every now and then uh, a talk show on black folks talking about we need to get reparations. In the United States, the Japanese community, Japanese-American community, got reparations. If you look online under the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, that's their reparations for Japanese-Americans. It was signed into legislation by Ronald Reagan. The way they did it was they, well, how many, all of us sitting on this phone probably got some kind of product by a Japanese. I'm sitting here on a Samsung telephone. All right. Those businesses bankrolled everybody from the dog catcher up to the president of the United States. And that's how the Japanese yep. got reparations here in the United States government uh, from, from the federal government. Like I said, it's called the Civil Liberties Act of 1988. But we haven't started enough businesses on a map. Like I say, that's why I play the Claude Anderson piece every morning, because that's the blueprint. So for for this um, this uh, black hair braiders thing, and I'm, I'm gonna organize a, a podcast next week. There's hopefully two or three, uh, what do you call it, black hair braiders, and see if we can jump jump something off on that. Um. On that note, on that note, it's Friday, so I'm going to end today's podcast. Everyone have a good rest of the weekend.